Welcome to the Asking Why podcast. I'm your host, Clint Davis. I'm a marriage and family therapist and licensed professional counselor trained in trauma and addiction. The Asking Why podcast is for anyone on a journey of healing and restoration. If you are searching for answers to life's questions and want to learn more about root causes from a psychological and theological mix, this show is for you. In this podcast, myself and a co-host from Clint Davis Counseling and Integrative Wellness will interview guests on a wide range of topics in order to get down to the heart of the problems facing our world and understand why things happen and how to change the world and ourselves for the better. Want to learn more tips and tricks to living a healthy lifestyle? Visit us at Clint Davis Counseling and Integrative Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. If you want to meet our staff or book a speaker, go to clintdaviscounseling.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe today. All right. Welcome back to the Asking Why podcast. Um, we're at episode 48. Um, it's Happy New Year, so it's 2022 now. So we've missed a few weeks. Um, <clears throat> as you can hear, I might cough a little bit and I got a little COVID over the uh, Christmas holidays along with uh, the rest of America and the world, I think, Omicron. Um, I'm calling it cold vid because it was pretty mild for me. So um, I know that it's not always like that for everybody else. So I pray that your families and people are okay and people are staying safe out there. Um, yeah, I'm thankful for you know all the people listening this last year that have shared our podcast and um, that have sent me comments, who have started therapy because of it. You know, it's just been really awesome to know that so many people are getting things out of the podcast. I uh, I started it a little over a year ago, just, you know, trying to get some good information out to people and show some support and get to talk with peers and friends and other people in the field. And it's just been a blast. And so um, we're excited about this year. We're um, anticipating, you know, better guests, um, other speakers, people coming on and um, really bring in some energy and some information to us. And so just keep listening, keep subscribing and sharing. Um, last year, you know, we was our first year. And, and as we said on the last one, we hit over 30,000 downloads and we know many more people are listening and watching on YouTube and we don't always have all those numbers, but, um, we're excited. And so <clears throat> if you're out there and you listen to this podcast or you know, anybody who would want to sponsor it or come on to it, um, just shoot me a message, email at clintdaviscounseling at gmail.com. We can do it through Zoom. We can do it in person. So if it's out of state, it's easy to just Zoom somebody in and 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 do the podcast. So um, got some pretty big guests coming up in the next couple of weeks. Um, hopefully for King and Country, you're going to come on in February. So we're working with them to talk about one of their new songs. A couple of therapists and uh, doctors that I know and uh, authors that you guys know. Um, looking forward to that. So we just can continue to hope to bring uh, great conversations and content. Um, one of the more information weekly and, uh, and more often. So um, I'm going to be starting a Patreon page and that we will link into the podcast and in the description and stuff. And, and so if you don't know what Patreon is, it's a thing you can sign up for and subscribe to and pay a couple dollars up to $15, up to $30 a month, depending on how much content you want. And you'll get um, extra videos, extra smaller videos and messages daily or weekly, depending on the commitment level. And the goal is to, you know, give low cost to viewers and to followers to get more content while at the same time being able to continue to do these things and, um, support us as we, you know, do the podcast and give out the information and, and, uh, make more disciples. So, um, yeah, in that vein today, it's just me obviously. And, uh, we're going to be talking about authenticity. And so, you know, I want to start with saying, you know, I've personally 
struggled and done a lot of work around this area in the past several years and continue to see clients and friends and family who work hard to reach, you know, what we would call an authentic self. And it, you know, by no means do I have it all together. Am I perfect in it? And anybody who says they are, um, are not, probably not being very authentic. Um, this is a, is a hard work to, to find out who you are and me, make meaning in life. And, and so what does it mean? You know, why is authenticity important? Well, let's start from kind of a biblical perspective. It, it means to live out a daily who God has created you to be in his image, right? As his image bearer in the world. And, um, you might ask, what's that mean? So let's peel back the, the onion a little bit and the layers. And, you know, God created us in the garden to be co-heirs with Christ. Meaning in Genesis, it gives us this story where Adam and Eve uh, are there and they're created to be in God's image. And he tells us, you know, he wants us to be fruitful and fill the earth and subdue it, to manage it, um, and for us to kind <clears> of <throat> be with him in relationship, to walk with him, to be beside him, to to go into the earth and, and be his image bearers, to show who he is. Um, and he wanted us to move out of the garden and go to the rest of the world to do this. Um, he wanted us to follow his will and, and his lead. But obviously very quickly this gets screwed up and Adam and Eve decide that, you know, being their own self, being, um, being who they wanted to be um, is what they wanted, what they sought. And so they, they wanted to find their own truth and learn their own knowledge Um that was what was most, most important at the time. That was more important to them than actually trusting in their in the Father and God. Um, and this broke the world, obviously, in all of creation, and, and both the heavenly spaces and the earthly ones, right? So at the same time, you have this parallel story of the adversary or <clears throat> this the snake, the serpent. It doesn't really call him Satan in the uh, in the Bible, but at the time, right, this this being in the garden. And he decides at the same time that he would also betray God and go his own route through the humans, right? And so technically there's these two kind of revolts or these two rebellions happening at the same time. One is a very human one in Adam and Eve, and the other is a very spiritual one in Satan uh, or the serpent, and which would be the adversary, right? This, this thing that's opposed to God that's telling human beings, you know, <clears throat> hey, God doesn't love you. You're not safe in his care. There's more to this thing. You can become your own God. You can become your own leader, you can become your own king, and this can be your kingdom. Um, and that right there, right, that pride, that ego we're going to talk about, which is, you know, an opposition to being authentic. And so since chapter three of the fall, um, as we call it, right, um, it's been a fight, you know, that we've all been in as human beings since then. And so we see this play out through the Old Testament. God continues to be in relationship with us, um, with humans, desiring us to surrender our authority and our abilities and our perfectionism. He wants us to trust him, um, trust that he loves us and trust that we're secure in his care. All right, and we see this story of inauthenticity play out over and over in the entire Old Testament. We see men and women of God struggle to understand how to live openly and honestly with God. There's this constant tension of, of wanting to work hard and please God while at the same time having our own kingdoms and building, you know, their own cult following, worshiping their own idols. And it's a lot about power and control versus submission and humility. And if we look in our world today, you know, not much has changed. A lot of our systems are set up. A lot of the abuse that happens, the racism that happens, the sexism that happens, the gender issues that happen are, are power and control and not being submissive and having humility. <clears throat> 
And all along the way, from the beginning of the fall, we see God foreshadowing this, the coming of someone who's going to be fully authentic. Right? He would he would fit all the Enneagram numbers and hit all the Myers Briggs assessments and um, you know, he would fulfill this perfect role of an authentic person, fully who God wants him to be. He would be humble and meek and lowly. You know, we just got done with Christmas and <clears throat> just that idea of Jesus coming in a manger as a baby and being humble and meek and, and low, man, that you know, that is that is the thing that is so disturbing to our humanity that that we could be that vulnerable and that open and and that pure and and because we know we can't right so he's got this meek humble perspective of a person who's going to come and and be vulnerable while at the same time who has actual power and actual might and actual purity that's different than the world sees it and so you know that kind of thing never made sense it doesn't make sense to us now but it never made sense to the people of israel they couldn't understand how an authentic authentic living and and being honest about their truly imperfect selves would lead to freedom. They didn't understand that if you completely become dependent on God, that in that you will find freedom and peace and salvation. And so Jesus comes later um, to show us that we are incapable of being perfect, that we cannot save ourselves and that God never expected us to. It's not until we are completely um at our base and that we accept this, that we can give God the glory and stop the cycle of shame and regret that keeps us so bound. I mean, we, we tend to be stuck in this cycle over and over and over again of I've got to please God. I've got to make him happy. And then we can't. And then we find disappointment and shame in that. And then we, you know, fall on our knees and ask God to save us and, and on and on and on it goes. And we, we see that. I mean, that's the story of the Bible, right? The story of the old Testament is this happening over and over again. And so, um, we've talked about this on our other podcast that our desire to continue to find worth and security in people, places, things brings about our destruction and hopelessness. When we continue to look at our bank accounts or our parents' perspectives of us, I mean, man, the holidays is riddled with being around our family again, wanting to please our parents, wanting them to be happy about things, and then usually that being not what we want or it's not enough or it doesn't fulfill all of our childhood needs or our adult needs and we get triggered triggered and upset and they are too and you know it's a mess you know and if we continue to look at our even our childhood trauma and our things in our past um as a as a indicator of our worth and value or our ability to perform right if those all those things are give us our worth and our security then we continue to stay in this cycle and so when we do that we we present ourselves to the world as inauthentic in order to protect ourselves from ever truly being seen. We never get to a place of ownership of our nature or sin, and we never get to a place of relinquishing fully um, control to God. This is the same problem that we see time and time again with all of humanity, right? So the good thing is in that is that we're not alone, right? We're not alone in this way of living or in this coping. It's not, if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, that's me, you know, it's, it's not unique to you. It's the story of humanity and, and God and trying to work out how to be truly who we are and who, we, who we've been made to be, and at the same time have all this sin and brokenness and turmoil and relationships and conflict. And so Jesus himself, right, he even said that he has no power apart from God. He, he had no ability that God did not give him, and that without the Father, he was incapable of the healing and restoring and teaching and resurrections that he did. 
he was so knowledgeable about who he was and whose he was that he was able to fight off spiritual warfare and face these lies and attacks of the spiritual realm. You know, when Paul tells us that our battle is not against flesh and blood, this is what he means. He, you know, our battle is not against each other. It's against the lies of the evil one, right? Of Satan and, and the other demons and the other spiritual beings who want us to believe that the things that are, that have happened to us, the bad things that are, we've experienced in life, right? The things that other humans have perpetrated against us, that that means we need to battle other humans. That means we need to fight against other people. We need to put up walls and put on armor and, and stay back and stay away because that's what we're in, in war against. He tricks us into thinking our battles against flesh and blood, but it, it specifically says it's not. It's about the spiritual things. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit, what, about what's that mean. But this is the main reason why so many of us live in, inauthentically. Um, this is the reason that so many of us feel afraid to stand fully in the image of God and who we are. We, we keep our heads down. We shuffle our feet thinking that our brokenness and our sin keeps us from being the light in the darkness. We feel so much a part of the darkness that we cannot be used, right? And, and I've been there where you know, I'm in my sin or I know I'm struggling because I desire these things. And, and so I'm like, I'm not going to read my Bible today or I'm not worth that. Or I see my kids and I think, oh man, if they knew what was going on in my head, they'd be disappointed in me or they wouldn't be proud of me or, you know, and, and Satan gets in there and goes, yeah, you're not enough. You're not worthy if they only knew. And, you know, we believe that our sin and our brokenness is what makes us unworthy. And so, okay, so I'll get on a, I got on a tangent there for a second. But the reality is, is most of us, right, we've grown up in families where we've not been loved like God wanted us to. We've not been kept safe like God wanted. And we were taught that in order to feel safe and to feel loved, that we had to do something to get it, right? And we can go, you can listen to some other podcasts on attachment and how that works out. But we, we learned that we had to make good grades, look a certain way, perform certain tasks, be emotionally available for our parents, and, and sometimes that we were responsible for their emotions or responsible for the adults in our lives. And right, we could go and go on and on with examples. But the, the point is, is that brokenness started really early in our lives. And our desire for connection and to have our needs met, which is primary attachment issues, right? Um, <clears throat> it was met with, we, we, when you had a need, we reached out for it and it was met with a lack of follow through. And this started a cycle in us and a narrative in our heads that told us, you know, I can't be my true self to be loved and to find security. If I show my true self, this will lead to rejection, humiliation, avoidance. Um, you know, when, when parented or surrounded by people who are broken and inauthentic, we have to, we have this like thing that we have to do where we have to kind of audible and learn how to get our needs met another way. So we, we have these needs as children or as young adults, needs for emotional needs that need to get met, physical needs that need to get met, spiritual needs that get to, need to get met. And, and God's designed us to know that we need those things and to reach out to the, the authorities in our lives and the parents in our lives to get them. And, and they don't know how to do it, and they haven't been parented properly, and they haven't been discipled, and they're doing the best they can. But we reach out, and they don't meet us with that thing that we need. And so our brains go, we build a neuropathway and, and, a, and a response to that pain that goes, I need to do something else. I need to start to manipulate or I need to be aggressive or I need to perform harder. Or I need to please harder. Um, and we know our fear, right, that, that gets us completely in the way. 
And, and we, we get terrified that if we ask for what we need, it's not going to be met or given to us. And the pain of rejection is too much for us to feel ever again, right? So we go, I don't want to ask for this thing and need it and then it not get met. Um, as children, we, we don't know what to do with this, right? We stumble and we struggle and we internalize these things as truth about our worth and value. So we think, oh, my mom didn't hug me or my mom didn't affirm me or my dad wasn't present for this game or this adult touched me in that way or hurt me in that way. There must be something wrong with me. And we don't have the capacity to realize that the adults in our lives are just kind of playing out their own pain cycle and their own identity crisis, and they're not being authentic. We feel it. We feel the unsafeness of it. But as we grow, we don't grow in a culture of authenticity and honesty and transparency and, and true discipleship. We grow in a culture of everybody around us is just trying to protect their own identity, trying to stay in a, a place of safety and security. So it's no wonder that many of us don't know how to handle conflict or to ask for what we need. We either believe we don't deserve it or that if we ask for it, it's not going to be met anyway. So what's the point? And the sad thing is that on earth and with people, man, that, that might be true. <clears throat> it might be true that we reach out and ask for what we need and the other person's not capable of meeting it or not capable of giving it to us. And that's really scary. And, we're, and we'll talk about what to do with that. The question I pose today is that as a Christ follower, does that does their inability to love you or to, or to have loved you or to connect with you or to keep you safe, does that say anything about you or about the person who cannot meet your needs, right? If they can't, if they can't meet your needs or they refuse to meet your needs, then, then why is that, right? Is that because you're not worthy of love or value or is that because they don't know how? And so it's not because you don't deserve it, right? but because they most likely have never known how to do it themselves. This doesn't change the pain and the grief that this can cause for sure, right? It's, it's those, we've talked about that before in the past. It's the two truths at one at the same time. Your, your parents, your husband, your spouse, your, your kids, whoever has hurt you so much, right? Um, they didn't mean to, let's say, and they were doing the best they ha- had at the moment with what they knew. And at the same time, it crushed you or it didn't give you what you needed. And those two things run together and, and they're both true. And so we have to figure out in order to be authentic, in order to leave, live in the full image of what God's made us to square those things away and, and make them make sense. So what I'm trying to say is that you are made in God's image, right? This means you're worthy of good things in life. You were created to go throughout the world as his co-heir, right? Meaning you, you've been adopted into God's family and taken out of your earthly one. You've been given a purpose to reconcile these same wounds and pains in other people. But the only way you can do this is to empty yourself and to fully rely on the Holy Spirit and His power to get this done. But for all of us, there are so many hurdles to allowing this to happen. There are so many things that that buffer us from fully letting the Holy Spirit in. And a lot of it is that shame, that that history of things, that that false belief that I don't deserve it. I'm not worthy of it because if my own parents didn't love me or my own uncle didn't love me or, you know, aunt didn't love me or coach didn't love me or circumstances happened to me, then how is there a God that loves me this much? But there is so much healing that, that takes place right when we learn to live an authentic life, but it can't take place right. Unless we acknowledge these hurdles 
one of our biggest hurdles, I think, is our own sin and our imperfection, right? And if if that's the case, if, if you're going, well, I have this thing that I haven't told anybody or I've done or, you know, I tried. I try to read my Bible, but I can't. You know, I try to go to church, but I don't. You know, I, I'm not enough in this area, right? That That's a huge barrier to being authentic because there's a narcissistic wound that needs to be healed. And I was talking to Andy yesterday, one of our therapists here about the difference between somebody who's a full on narcissist, right? Which we have another podcast on. You can listen to it, but someone who doesn't have any empathy, doesn't have any remorse, doesn't care, doesn't take ownership and someone who's wounded to their, a narcissistic wound who has a narcissistic wound. A narcissistic wound is these things we're talking about this, this uh, something happened to me that cut me so deep into my identity, into myself, right. That I've never really dealt with. And I've taken it on, um, as being my identity, it's my problem. Right. But I'm not saying that everybody who has that is a full blown narcissist, but it's more, like I said, like a wound or ego, right. Which, which this, this wound then develops this, this weird pride, right. It might not be pride. Like I'm the best, I'm amazing, but it's this weird pride of, I need to do something to please God. Right. God wanted us to to grow up learning about how amazing he is and how we were adopted into his family and that we've received this inheritance because of Christ. Right. And these little lessons should have been taught to us daily. These lessons, you know, integrated into our school activities, a bully that happens at school, um, our sporting events, a failure, a success. Right. The good and the bad. As as kids, we God designed it to where we grow up learning from our parents, you know, who God is and how we fit into that narrative and, and that God loves us unconditionally and wants us and sees us, but that's because of, of Christ. Right. And he wanted our parents to protect us and disciple us in this way. And that would let us know our worth and values in Christ and our identities are found in his sacrifice and his ability to work through us. We learn to feel guilt for our failures, right? Right. Not shame. Guilt is, I don't like what I'm doing. My behavior's not adding up how I want it to be. I want to be like Jesus. I know I'm, I know I can't, so I need to lean into God and lean into Christ so he can work through me, right? So there's a barrier here that God's not working through me. I need to take responsibility for that and I need to move. Shame says I can't do that because I'm not worthy of it. I'm not even worthy for the Holy Spirit to dwell near me or in me or around me. So many of us, right, we start out the gate that way. We start out the gate thinking that our sin and our brokenness makes us less than and that our needs can never be met. And this, man, it's led to a society and a world where we need people to give us worth and value. We need things to make us better, and we need to hear that we're enough because of our own works and abilities and our own identity politics and our own issues. What we like and what we want, man, that's the center of the universe, and everybody around us has to like that and validate that and support that or we don't have anything to stand on. And so it's, it's again, bred a society of almost egomaniacs where, you know, we just want to be so loved and so complete. You know, it's the old, if you've listened, you know, watch Jerry Maguire, it's you can, you complete me. It's, it's the novels and the movies and the ways we talk about love is, you know, Oh, I'm going to find this other person, this other thing, and it's going to complete me and fill me and give me everything I need. So I I'm loved, I'm valued. Um, and then we'll finally be enough, right, in ourselves to finally be at peace. But this, this again, this has been going on for generations. And, and so it's created a society of parenting 
where we try to get our, you know, we're hurt, we're wounded, we don't feel good enough. And so we have kids and we think, okay, well, they're going to love me and they're going to be proud of me and they're going to like me as a parent and that'll make me feel better. And so we try to get our worth and our value out of our children. And if they don't hug us or they don't kiss us or they're not there or they don't make good grades or they're bad in target, it's a reflection of us and, and we're bad parents. And if our, our kid's great and amazing and they're the top sports star or whatever, that's also a reflection of us and that makes us, you know, have worth and value. But but the if we stay there, the, the cycle just continues around and around and around. So we have to stop this cycle for our families. We must find healing together through authentic living and community. You have the ability this year, right, in 2022, or whatever year you're listening to this podcast, if somebody still cares about it after this year, um, you have the you know, have the ability to change your entire family's trajectory. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in the lives of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. But we have to stop and peel the layers back of our past and clean out our wounds. We've got, we've got to stop bleeding on people who didn't cut us. We must honor our pain and our suffering and then move out of the victim seat. Right? There's this cultural war right now where the the world of psychology and and you know has adopted you know this victim mentality in some ways not the whole world but the the world in general is like you know we want to honor our trauma we want to talk about trauma we want to talk about being a victim you know it's not our fault these things happen to us you know you're not responsible for that true and then you have the other side of people who are like you can't blame your parents for everything you can't you know, you can't sit in your, be a victim for everything. Not everything's your fault and not everything is, is hurtful. And you need, you know, you need to take responsibility. Also true. The middle ground is what I'm talking about is in order to find healing and move forward, you've, you've got to acknowledge the pain from your past, see where the roots are, dig them up, and then be responsible for how you act out of those truth, out of those truths. Right. And so I want to acknowledge that if you're listening to this podcast, a lot of you are already doing this work, right? If you if you if you've been listening to this, you're probably already you know put your armor on this morning and, and go into war. You probably rolled up your sleeves and have gotten to work, you know, on this healing and restorative journey of your life. Um, you're probably right now allowing the Holy Spirit to have space in your heart and mind and to make room for only Jesus. And so I cheer you on. I applaud you. I'm thankful for you listening. Because we're all in the same boat. All of us are doing this work. I, you know, writing this and, and putting this on here, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. You, you, you need to listen to this podcast yourself. Because we all need to learn how to do this better. Because when we realize, right, that we're not being authentic, it changes everything. And when I realized it, um, I didn't have really a clue that that was what the case was, that was what was going on. Um I, I realized I had no clue what to ask for what I needed. I didn't know how to do that. And I didn't, when I, when it came down to it, after I got in the work, I, I didn't really believe that I deserved it. Right. I didn't believe that I, I deserved to ask for help or my wife to do something for me or for my parents to meet a need. I didn't, I didn't believe I could show weakness or be vulnerable. I, I thought if I do that, people aren't going to see me in, and love me and value me and, and support me. They're, they're going to bail. Right. I, and, I, and I sort of thought I was good at being authentic. I thought here I am a counselor, right. Who knows how to help people find healing and who speaks to them about their pain. And I, I'm open about my own pain and my own sin. And I, I try to be pretty vulnerable. So I felt like I had a pretty good grasp on, you know, where my negative coping skills came from and my trauma and yada, yada. Right. I've been in therapy for a long time. 
But man, the healthier you get, the healthier I've gotten, the more unhealthy I realize I am. You know, we, we've talked about this when, you know, I'm working with sex addiction groups and dealing with pornography or dealing with anger or whatever we're working with. You know, there's in the beginning when you start, let's say 10 years ago or five years ago, when you get in recovery, you you realize like, oh, I shouldn't look at pornography or I shouldn't do these big things. And then as you, you get sober and you don't do those things anymore, you start realizing, well, also probably shouldn't glance at women in the grocery store or also shouldn't be on these certain websites that are not necessarily pornography, but that are open to things that aren't healthy. And and so as you get healthier, it actually makes your, your lens that you look through everything with even more clear, but then you just see how toxic and unhealthy the things that are in your life. And if you've done the work, you know what I'm talking about as you get, you know, moving through health, it, it does, it, it gets easier in some ways, but it also gets harder. And I think that's a lot of times why we bail on it is because we're like, I don't, I don't want a, that commitment. I'd rather just be, you know, kind of lost and blind and, and, and dumb. Um, ignorance is bliss is what they say. But, but this is the same thing with, as you get closer to Jesus, the farther he is away. You know, I used to think like the healthier I get, the less sin I do, um, the better my behavior is, the better dad I am, the better therapist I am, the, the closer I get to Jesus, the more I'm going to feel like Jesus and, and, you know, quote unquote, be proud of myself and feel like comfortable in God being proud of me. And, and that's just so backwards, right? The closer we get to Jesus, the, the more amazing and glorious and pure and awesome and gracious he is. And the more I realize I don't deserve any of it, that if my life is based on my past, then I don't deserve to be married. I don't deserve to have kids. I certainly don't deserve to have a practice and a business. And even in the last year, you know, two years based on my behavior and actions, do I deserve all the things I have? Absolutely not. Right. It's by the, by his grace and his will and his power that any of this stuff goes on. And, um, you know, you just realize that the closer you get. And so we realize the more authentic, the more work we do, the more healthy we get, the more broken we see our, our heart is, and we have to fall broken at the cross. And I've had to, you know, go through the dark night of the soul a couple of times at this point, And I can say, I understand why people want to avoid them, right? It's painful. It's a lot of work to dig into those things and tear those thorns out and, and heal from those wounds. But emptying ourselves is where true authenticity is found. Right. And truly realizing that your best works, right, the best things you can offer God are filthy rags, Scripture says. That means, you know, that based on our merits and our actions and our abilities, we, we deserve everything we get. This doesn't mean that God wanted us to receive those things. He did not. He wanted the garden, right? He wanted perfect peace and shalom and harmony with him and the heavenly realms. He wanted us to be connected and intimate, and, and he wanted all those things for us. But because of our desire for self— and inauthenticity because we wanted to be our image bearers and desire to be above right him we fell and we did that because truthfully we doubt his undeserved love and grace we continue to strive to earn it we continue to want to do our own thing to have control we we doubt that his love can be that good right that that's the reality but his, his love is that good, y'all. His love really is. He really does love us unconditionally. He really does. You've already been given the keys to the kingdom, right? And it wasn't on your work and merit. Even Jesus, right, when he started his ministry and was being baptized, 
And the Holy Spirit comes down as a dove, and God says, This is my son, whom I love, and I'm well pleased. And this is before he even started his ministry. He had not done any work yet. And I think that was an important thing to see. Like, even in that, even in Jesus, it wasn't based on Jesus' works and efforts and ability that he was Jesus and that he was loved and he had worth and was secure. It was God's love for Christ. It was God in Christ. It was Jesus being the full image bearer. So let's let's take a few minutes, right? That's kind of the theologi- theological side, a little integration in there. But let's take a few minutes to get practical and, you know, use some social context and psychology to talk about authenticity, right? So in, a, in this world, if we know it's full of people who are wounded and hurting, then it's full of people who are in fight, flight, or freeze, meaning that they have the same brains that we do. They have the same broken hearts that we do. They have the same insecurities and family drama and trauma that we do. And if we can have a deep insight and wisdom into our own pain, then we can truly start to see the pain in others. And we can have a wisdom and a depth and insight into them. We can start to see that they're just like us. They're, they're hurt people in need of the gospel of truth and light. Right When they're in their dark behavior and they're in their unhealth and they're coming at you with all this inconsistency, we can know where it comes from because we're them. And we've worked through it, and we've been healed from it, and we've become healthier. And so we can have the ability to hold grace and mercy and patience for them because they're not there yet. So what does this have to do with being authentic? right? Well, if you know someone who seems perfect, how does that make you feel? right? I know you. no one's perfect. We all know that. And so when someone is presenting themselves as a know-it-all, or they have all the answers, or they, they never sin, or they've got it together, it's a little off-putting because we, we don't understand that. That doesn't feel safe. When we meet someone who's sketchy or manipulative, and we all know what that feels like, right? What's our mind and our body do, right? It usually wants to run or shut down or attack. And we don't trust people who are perfect, and we don't feel safe with people who don't we don't know their motives. We don't understand clearly what they're doing. This is because being inauthentic is dangerous. You know, many of us don't realize that we are terrible, right, at communicating or behaving in this way. But we are. We were not in, you know, confident in our backstories and our own history. And when we haven't learned to boast in our weaknesses and own them, then we, we're constantly putting out the wrong communication, the wrong energy, the wrong vibes, whatever word you want to use there. So what's this look like in like a real practical relationship? Well, I'll use myself for an example. So for me, it was learning to be confident in the fact that people want to follow, right? As a leader, becoming a therapist, becoming a boss, becoming a, you know, a speaker, I'm still learning all this. So let's say I had a staff meeting and I really wanted to, you know, get something done. In the past, right, I would I would feel insecure about that. I would feel undeserving of it. And I would doubt that my staff might truly want to trust me and believe in the vision and follow me and and do whatever it is I was asking. Or if I asked them for it, that's me being selfish or that's me being, you know, bossy, you know. Um, and so I would say something like, hey, team, you know, I'd like you to do X, Y, and Z. But if you don't want to, that's okay. It's not a big deal. If it stresses you out, don't worry about it. Right? Well, this would obviously be very extremely passive, inauthentic communication. And the team would hear unclearly what I truly wanted or needed. And so, you know, they wouldn't do it. They would choose to, you know, go, well, he doesn't really care. It's not that big of a deal to him. And I don't really want to do it. So moving on, which then would lead to me being like, well, no one cares. 
you know, they don't really respect me. They don't really care. And it's this self-fulfilling prophecy, right? I, I set it up with inauthentic communication, with doubt, with fear that I already have, then I project that onto them and then I present it. Then they respond exactly how I thought they were going to respond. And that validates those original fears and thoughts. But none of that's true, right? Even though I thought it was, right? Even though I feared it, I didn't have to act that way. So in my, in, in my insecurity, right, which is directly related to my childhood and family systems issues, right, I, I would leave room for people to bail or to not be upset or to, you know, feel however they feel. But like I said, the reality is, is this is just more confusion and more frustration for everybody involved. And so if I didn't present it authentically, already believing my worth and value was in God's plan and not truly believing that it was his vision and, and plan and not mine, then I, I'm going to, I'm going to be destined to continue this cycle. Right? So as I, as I was working through therapy and realizing I didn't know how to ask for what I needed and that I was insecure in that and that I didn't believe I deserved it, <clears throat> that's where, you know, this idea of who am I in Christ, who I am, who is, who, who am I in, in God? How do I present that to the world authentically? Right? I realized, like, I've got to do some things different in my life with my wife, with my, with my kids. Like, I remember working really hard uh, with a therapist on, you know, being able to tell my kids I'm tired. You know, they, I, I wanted to soak up all this time with my children and spend all this time with them and play with them. And so, you know, I felt this pressure that anytime they asked me to go jump in the trampoline or spend time with them, I had to say yes. Right. And, and, I, and I, I never wanted to miss a moment. I never wanted to wake up when they're 15 or 25 and go, oh man, I wish I would have wrestled with them in the bed for five minutes or, or chased them around the house or played hide and seek. And, but at the same time, that wasn't authentic. Right. My kids don't need me to be perfect or a, a robot or a machine that's never tired. What they need to see is a real human being who has his own needs and his own emotions and his own struggles. And then we need to work that out through relationship. Right. But I thought if I presented them that, that that would make me less than and yada, yada, like we said. But the more healthy I got, the more I realized like my truest self is what I need to bring to people. And that's enough because God's made it enough. That's not perfect. That doesn't mean there's not work that needs to be done. That doesn't need, mean there needs to be balance and, and figuring it out for myself. But saying to myself in my own heart, I'm doing the best I can with what I have, and I'm going to present that fully and truly, right? That makes a big difference. And so, right, I have to believe I deserve to have my needs met. And my closest peers and my friends and my staff, they genuinely want to meet those needs, and if they can't or won't, right, meet those needs, then we can renegotiate those needs and come up with a different plan. But all of that has nothing to do with your or my worth and value. So now, right, for an example, the meeting might look like me saying, hey, team, I need this turned in by X, Y, and Z, or I need you to do this or that, and then I just leave it, right? And they know, based on my consistency and my relationship with them, that they don't want to do it or they're anxious about it, or it's something that's out of their wheelhouse that they can email me or call me and say, Hey, listen, I know you said you wanted me to do this, but I have a doctor's appointment that day, or I'm too nervous to do that. Or can you help me work through that before I do that? And then we renegotiate those things, right? But if I don't clearly believe and communicate in my needs, then the whole thing's dead in the water before it gets started, right? And my communication and my beliefs are on me. 
and theirs are on them. And that's a boundary, right? Where, where a boundary is where I end and they begin, where you end and your family begins. And so learning to be authentic and asking for what you need doesn't mean the other person's going to meet, meet it, but it means when you do it, you feel better. You feel more authentic. You feel safer. You feel more consistent. And, and when they don't meet that need, you, you readjust and you go, okay, well, where can I get that need met then? And you continue to push and push and push. Right? All that inauthenticity does, right? Being fear, being passive, aggressive, all it does is lead to more conflict. And in the moment, it seems like the best route, right? Or the only one we know, but it leads to, man, way more of a mess. So learning to know, believe in, and act out of who God says you are and his plan and purpose frees you to be that full image bearer he's created you to be. And this, this type of authentic living bleeds over into every aspect of our lives. And people are drawn to authenticity, right? Because that's Jesus in you. You get out of the way, right? Because they're clear in what they're getting from you. They know the good, bad, and the ugly, but then they have a clear choice to make when you're, when you're authentic. So authenticity means striving to present yourself fully to your kids, to your parents, to your spouse, and to your community because you truly love yourself because you believe that God does. You truly know deep down that you're not uniquely broken and that God is painting a masterpiece with your life if you just get out of the way. And if you live that way, people see that and are drawn to that because he's doing the same thing in their lives. He's, he wants to use every single person on earth to be his image bearer, to show who he is, to show that he reconciles, that he rescues, that he redeems, that he restores. But if you're perfect, if you're all together, if you've got it all together, if you, if you never show anything, then he doesn't have to do anything. Right? What the world then sees is, is, is a perfect person that they can't reach and they can't attain, and that, that doesn't feel like somebody they can connect with. But a person who's authentic who's humble, who shares in, in the woes of the world while at the same time having hope in what God is doing in their lives. Man, people are drawn to that. They can connect with that. They can heal with that. So if God has done something in your life and redeeming something in your life and, and you know that, man, share, share those things. Don't be afraid to speak about what God's doing. That's not arrogant. That's not pride. That's not ego. That's, that's boasting in your weakness and God's ability to, to rescue and what he did. That's your testimony. So to end, let's, let's just look at a few markers, right, that we can look at in our life to know if you're already an authentic person or being more authentic or, or if you're, if you're going to become an authentic person. What are, what are some virtues, let's say, or some behaviors that can define, define us? So everybody likes a list. Trustworthiness, right, is the big one or a big one. We have to choose to be a reliable person consistent, somebody who's dependable with our time, but also our emotions over our own self-interest, right? So it's, if you know who you are and you know what you deserve and you know your value, which I, I think Jesus clearly did, right? if we're supposed to be like Christ, right? What would Jesus do? Let's say, um, we, we look at him and we go, he knew, right? He was consistent. He was reliable. He was constant. He knew who he was. He knew where he needed to be. And people could trust that. And so we need to look at our own, own life and go, am I trustworthy? Am I a person that someone can rely on, right, that, that they know are going to be consistent? Even if 
even if that consistency isn't perfect, right? But it's honest and it has openness over our own self-interest, right? Over protecting, over controlling, over keeping safe all that is hidden. The second one is integrity. And so trustworthiness first, integrity is second. We must choose what is the right thing to do over what is not, right? It's pretty simple, right? It's doing the next right thing. It's, it's knowing that nobody's looking at this. Nobody's seeing what's on my computer. Nobody's seeing what I'm going to do with my finances. Nobody's seeing what I'm going to eat for lunch today. My wife doesn't know about this. My husband doesn't know about this. My kids don't know about this. But I'm going to choose to do what's right because I know I deserve it. I don't deserve toxicity. I don't deserve less than what God has for me. So third is truthfulness. Choosing to say what you mean and to mean what you say. Right? Being precise in our speech and not being aggressive or passive in our communication. So, you know, we, we joke when our, our spouse comes in or, you know, I have a wife, so my wife comes in and goes, does this look good on me? Right? It's like, well... When I first got married, my wife would be like, she's straight up, right? She's very honest. Um, <clears throat> if I come out with a shirt that I love um, and think it's awesome and she doesn't like it, she's going to tell me, <laughs> you know, she's going to be like, ah, that's not really like your style or that doesn't really look good for you or whatever. What that doesn't mean is she hates me or thinks I'm unattractive or whatever. She's just being honest, right? She's just being truthful about what the truth is. And then I can decide if I want to wear the shirt or not. Right, I shouldn't be wearing the shirt because she thinks it's good or she, she thinks it's bad. If I love the shirt, I have these shoes, and she makes fun of me for wearing them all the time. But I like them; they're comfortable, they fit good, they're casual. But she thinks they look "quote unquote" too cool for me. And so, you know, when I wear them, she's like, "Oh, I hate those shoes." In the beginning, I would like, man, I really want her to like the shoes too, right? But that's codependency, right? If I like the shoes, I'm going to wear the shoes. It doesn't matter if she likes them or not, because she's not saying if you wear the shoes that I don't like, I love you less. Right. And so I used to not say things like that to people like, and be honest about what I thought or my opinion, because I didn't want to hurt their feelings. But the reality is, is people value truth. Now, how you say it and the way you say it is super, super important doing it in grace and doing it in, in, uh, in respect. But at the end of the day, you should speak truth in your life with people because they want to know what you think and you deserve to have what you think is true out there. Right. But again, being very precise in what that truth is in your speech and, and mean what you say and say what you mean is so vital. Number four is vulnerability. Right. And this is I love the, the phrase choosing courage over comfort. Right. It's it's such an act of courage to share your emotions, share your feelings, wear your heart on your sleeve, be able to express what's going on deep down in your heart with somebody. And that's authentic. And people are going to respond to that and respond to that vulnerability. Yes, that can lead to being hurt. Being vulnerable can lead to being being hurt. But you can't be in love and be connected without that risk. And then lastly, transparency. Right? To choose to practice our values for people to see rather than talking about it, rather than just stating them, but to live them out to the people around us and stand up for what we believe in, right? Not against and opposed to things, but just be who we want to be in our values and in our practice, live it out. Don't just talk about it. Right. So trustworthiness, integrity, truthfulness, vulnerability, and transparency. These are some values and some virtues that you can know you're starting to live a better authentic self. And so 
If we can learn to live as authentically as possible, then we can finally feel the love and security that we so desperately want, right? If we, if we really want to be fully known, then we've got to learn to be fully open. If not, there's always going to be a voice in the back of our head that says, you know, if they only knew this, if they wouldn't love me or they would leave me, if they knew that I did this or thought this or did this thing in the past, they'd, 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 you know, peace out on me. Well, the truth is, is that when we, we get authentic, then you have people in your life who know it all, who you share your sin, your, your problems, you confess those things. They know your hangups. They know your weaknesses. They know what you, you stink at, right? And they love you anyway. And the most important part of that is that you believe it, that you love yourself anyway in your imperfections because of who God says you are and what he's done for you. And when you're confident, when you can laugh, I mean, we, we had something happen a couple of weeks ago and, and my wife made a comment about it. I think uh, I may probably lost my wallet or didn't shut a drawer or whatever the hundred things I, I'm not good at that my, you know, brain doesn't do. Um, in the past in marriage, I would be, I'd feel like I was a disappointment to her and then I'd get defensive because I would think, you know, and now I just kind of laugh. I'm like, yeah, I really stink at that. Sorry, I'll work on it. And she laughed and moved on. But it was because I believe it. I truly believe that just because I forget my wallet somewhere or I can't find my keys or I'm not really good with details all the time, even though I'm getting better, right? I, the reality is, is that's, that's not who I'm made to be. I'm made to be who I am. And I have to figure out how to do that authentically and not beat myself up for not being perfect. Because if I measure myself against my wife in the detail department, I'm going to get hosed, right? She's going to, she's going to kill me in that every time, but it's not a competition between humans. Remember circling back to scripture says clearly, it's not about a battle of flesh and blood, right? But about principalities, about these powers in the spiritual realms. And so if we take all this back down, it's to... Satan speaking lies into our hearts, into our minds, based off of things that have happened on, in this world and on this earth. And we've got to truly believe, right, that we're loved, that we're valued, that God has come down as a, as a human being, born as a baby in a manger, grown up, taught us what God looks like, how he is, how he loves us, how he, how he wants us to be, and died and sacrificed himself to make a way so that we can be fully known and fully connected with God. It's, it's the gospel. And we don't deserve it. And yet God gives it to us anyway, because that's who he is. And if we sit in that truth, then we can figure out who he's made us to be, who he's made our kids to be, how he's made our marriage to be, what career and what path and what job he has for us. And we can thrive in that, right? We can thrive in the peace of knowing that God has a purpose for us as individuals. And, and so if you're listening to this, that's true for you. You know, God has a purpose for you. He has a plan for you. He, you may be sitting in your car or running right now or walking through Whole Foods, whatever. And you might be thinking, I don't know what that is, right? Well, it's not a specific thing. I mean, eventually will be. But the truth is, is that wherever you're at in your life and whatever circumstances you're under, and whatever mental battle you're going through, God wants you to know right now through this broken person that is me, that you're loved and you're valued, that you're worthy, that he has a plan for you, that he has not forgotten you, that he knows who you are and who you're made to be. He's put specific gifts and specific skills and specific trauma that's been shaped and molded and now created to be used by him to redeem and rescue and reconcile other people. 
But the lie that you tell yourself that you can't get out of this and that you're stuck and you're too broken and, and that you don't need to be transparent, right? You need to, you need to be, what's the, what's the opaque, I think, right? You, you don't need to be vulnerable. You need to put a shield up. You need to lie and, and not be truthful. And you need to be inconsistent and, and just do what's good for you and that you don't need to trust anyone or extend any trust to anybody. That's keeping you down. And that's making you live a life that's inauthentic, that's not an image bearer, right? But that's going back to the beginning of the garden and saying, yeah, God doesn't love me. He's not, he's not going to keep me secure. I've got to do my own thing. I've got to take my own route. But I, I promise you that if you lean into this, if you lean into authentic community and authentic living, you will find freedom. I know this is a scary concept, right? And I know also it doesn't happen overnight. I've not arrived, you know, I'm not at a place where I'm doing this every day um, well, and I'm working through this fight as we speak. And I think the truth is, is that we're going to continue to work this out until Christ returns and calls us home, right? It's, it's then that we will fully be restored to the Father, and He's going to make us full image bearers as we were supposed to be. He's going to place us above the angels, the Scripture says, and that's where we were always destined to be. So until then... I hope you can continue to strive, right, to be as authentic as you can be, to be as truth-living truth as you can be, and to find people in your life who, who want that for you. There are people out there. There are people, therapists, counselors, friends, people who are out there who are, God is working in, who will, they will make connections with you. And in as little as six months to a year, you can be in a totally different headspace and a totally different heart space than you are right this second. And man, if you're a person that's out there and you're like, man, I'm killing this. I'm, I've been doing this therapy work. I feel authentic. Please, please le lean into some other people. Reach out to some other people. Tell your story. Tell of what God's doing in your life. Boast in it. Boast in what he's doing. Not in our ability, but in his ability. And draw people to that hope. Because the world needs it now more than ever. The world needs connection. The world needs to see people that have have been through the fire who have been through the dark night of the soul and who've come out on the other side and, and they need to see that it's better right it, it, it's possible whether it's a divorce or an affair or an addiction or depression or anxiety or abuse or you know you were the abuser yourself that you you can be reconciled and that, that there's hope as always i thank you guys for listening um i'm excited for this year i'm excited for 2022 i'm excited to continue to teach and lean into Christ's teachings in my own heart, my own life. I hope that this stuff continues to help you. Please, you know, download the episode, share them with your community, um, leave a comment. Um, I'll get this Patreon page going. And, you know, if you're a follower and you want to do that, we can communicate on there and, you know, we can get some specific stuff going. But anyway, happy new year, closing out. God bless. Have a good week.